Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And how are we doing, baseball fans and Red Sox fans? How are we doing? Welcome to another episode of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. we got a fun one today. We're talking some free agents and who better to do it with than Ellis Burks. Ellis, man, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How you been? <clears throat> oh, man. It has been hectic. Uh you know, for you know, obviously everyone here, you're on Mike's channel, and we've been doing a lot of playoff content, and uh, I'm tired, <laughs> to be completely honest. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, we've been, I've been churning out some content here in the last few days. I'm not going to lie. I've had a couple of late nights this week. I'm, uh, I'm pretty beat, but, uh, you know, even with the playoffs, it's been exciting. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this one tonight. I, we've talked about, you know, the offseason a little bit in prior episodes, and, you know, I'm always excited and juiced up for the off season. You know, how, oh, yeah. how do you feel about the off season? Just what are your general thoughts on the off season? Well, perfect time for the guys to just regroup. You know, you had a long season. Now it's time to regroup. Time for the front office to get the get everything rolling to reset for next season. I, I'm looking forward to see what the roster is going to look like next year. I'm, I'm looking forward to the additions to the new players that are coming in because you know, there's going to be some players coming in. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, we've talked about this a little bit. We're going to dive really, you know, into it tonight, but we've talked about how with this Red Sox off season, it's going to be an important one. You know, just, it feels like you're at a bit of a bit of a crossroads. Almost. We got some, you know, big free agents here. Xander Bogarts being the big one. Yep. Uh, Rafi Devers coming up on free agency after this year. We'll talk about him in just a second, but there's a lot of important moves here for the Red Sox, especially after not making the postseason. You know, it's uh, yep. you went from the ALCS to no postseason. That's been a bit of a thing, you know, a bit of a theme for the Red Sox going back for a while now. You have a good team and then you just you go to last place. So Bloom, he's come in and he really wants to build a consistent team year in and year out. And this is going to be a big one because we got some big free agents. You know, I actually wanted to ask you as a player, when you've hit free agency before, you know, what are your general thoughts going into free agency? Are you feeling like nervous or are you just, you know, you're feeling pretty uh, relieved that the season is over? Like, what are your general thoughts on uh, an offseason as a free agent? Well, as a free agent, you know, first of all, you're happy that the season is over. You probably had a successful season if you're that concerned about, you know, the upcoming year. Um, you know, whenever I was a free agent, my agent and I talked more than we would ever talk during any other time. And, you know, that was a good thing because he likes to keep you filled in on the interest, who's out there, the possibilities of new clubs, uh, you know, addressing you and, and courting you or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it, it's an exciting time. I mean, guys are looking forward to it, first of all. Um, a lot of times they're big paydays for these guys. You know, that's something that uh, can be life-changing. And I'm sure they're going to take it one step at a time, and they're going to look uh, to see what's best for them and their families. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned the agent. It, when you have – when you're a free agent and you have an agent, is that – are you talking to that agent – every day or like kind of how does the communication work I, I guess it also just depends if you're Aaron Judge you're probably getting phone yeah. calls less left and right uh but like what is the general experience like as a player who like has an agent are they are they talking to them every single day or could it be yeah. every other day or how does that go 
Well, everything goes through your agent. You're not having organizations give you a call personally yeah. because, you know, uh, he runs that part of the, the whole deal. And, uh, you know, everything goes through him. I mean, that's what you're hired in for. You know, you got him there to, to negotiate with other general managers, not only, you know, the general manager of your particular club, but other teams as well. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of interest there. People are going to be coming at him or, or like bogey. Or, or, you know, it's just going to be an exciting time for these guys. I mean, that's something that, you know, as a player, you look forward to that. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine, you know, if I was a player like a like an Aaron Judge or a Xander Bogart. I mean, first off, obviously, you're, you're thinking about the moolah that you're going to be landing. But, you know, I can just see it. Also, just from another point of view, too, I, I've mentioned this on streams before. And I want to get your thoughts on this as well. You know, you I would think as a player – you want to know where you're going to be going. Obviously, you want to know, you know, you want a fair deal. Obviously, you know your value. But I would think as a player, you want to know where you're going to be living. You know, you want to, you know, what's going to be going on with, you know, your housing situation. Like, what's yeah. where you're going to be, you know, building a house in or whatever. Does a lot of that come into play, you think, as a free agent? Well, you know, as a free agent, you have to consider, you have to think about this. Your word is the final say. Okay, mm -hmm. it's either I'm just going to use Boston, for example, in New York. It's either going to be Boston, New York, San Francisco, whomever. But you're going to make that decision. It's not your agent's decision. You guys are talk about everything, <clears throat> every situation. Okay, this is what they offered. This is what this particular team offered year wise and monies wise and all that stuff. But it's going to be up to that player to just finalize everything and say, hey, let's do this at this particular spot. Now, as far as the housing is concerned, once you ink that contract, once you sign on those dotted lines, you just say, hey, you and your wife, or you can just fly out to that particular city and look at different areas. Okay, is this something that we want to be involved with? This is an area we want to live in. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot easier being a free agent and going through this process opposed to getting traded in the middle of the season and yeah. all of a sudden you have to go to a hotel for the first couple of weeks or whatever till, <laughs> yeah. you, get, till you get your feet on the ground. Yeah, big difference. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, every player, you know, different situation involved. From your experience, what uh, do you feel like it really comes down to there's a player? I mean, again, it really just depends on the player. But do you think more of a player wanting to win or it comes more into play? Whether Or do you think more of the – the family aspect comes into play more based off of your experience? Well, based off of my experience, when it comes to free agency, you're talking about what's the best fit for you and your family, yeah. because the money is going to be the same everywhere you go. Everyone is going to be bidding around that same area. So it, it really depends on the winning aspect. Are you looking for a team that's going to have an immediate chance to win? Are you looking to go to a club that that's already won you know, in the past and they're looking to rebuild to, to get back to the glory days mm -hmm. or whatever. But, it, you know, it's just a matter of what you and your family, that's a great time for you and your wife to just sit down and figure things out. And then of course you include your agent. Okay. This is what we've decided. We've narrowed it down to these two places. So let's eliminate everyone else. Just let them know. Thank you, but no, thank you. Yeah. I mean, definitely a lot comes into play when you're a free agent. I can't even imagine, you know, having to go through that process, but uh, we're going to talk about a lot 
of free agents here tonight. Uh, yep. Some Red Sox free agents as well as some possible options for the Red Sox. What are some needs? Uh, but before we do get into, every, get into everything, let's go over the sponsors really quick. Our sponsor for tonight's show is Bet Online. Uh, basketball is back, everyone, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to Bet Online to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And also on this channel, we have a couple of sponsors as well. SeatGeek, use my code HIDE, you get 20 bucks off hey you don't just got to use it for baseball games i know we only have a few left here but you can use it for basketball football whatever kind of a deal you can find make sure to use my code hide 20 bucks off and also speaking of sports betting we are partners with prize picks over here if you're tired of fan duel tired of DraftKings, you want to play against the system you want to play some over unders go check out prize picks to uh use my code ginger you get a 100 deposit match all righty Let's get to it, Ellis. We got a lot to talk about. I think the big one here, let's just go over a few of the Red Sox players here. I mean, we got to start off with the big one, Xander Bogarts. Uh, you know, actually, really quick, before we do get into that, there have been some reports, uh, nothing official, no official statements yet, but there was a report out there that Rafael Devers could be getting close to a seven-year deal with the Red Sox. Uh, general thoughts, what do you think? what do you think about that? Well, the guy, <clears throat> excuse me, he's 26 years old. So a uh, seven-year deal, I mean, that's within range, of course. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, his comfort level as far as the numbers are concerned. I think the years will be, that'll be good for Rafi. I mean, I don't think the Red Sox are interested in going 10 years with a guy. But uh, I think six, seven years, that's 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 a good number. What do you think? I mean, yeah, to me, you know, that sounds about right with some with what some of these other players have been getting. You know, you're around that age, 25, 26, a seven-year deal. Sounds about right. There have been some conflicting reports. Uh, there was one report from uh, Jansen Pujols of El Caribe uh, out of the Dominican Republic saying that it looks like they were getting close to a deal. However, uh, Chris Cotillo, I always, I never know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's either Chris Cotillo or Cotillo out of Mass Live. He jumped in and said there's no active extension talks between the Red Sox and Rafael Devers, according to a source with direct knowledge. Nothing imminent on that front. Boston is going to try and uh, try hard to extend him this winter. So there's some conflicting reports here. There were some other reports that the Red Sox were out in the Dominican Republic talking to Rafael Devers. Um, there was one report out there saying that, you know, they went out there to wish him a happy birthday and just do like a, a check on him, like just to say, hey, how you doing or whatever. Um, there was a lot of reports coming out. I'm not sure what to believe. I don't know. When you hear all these different reports, what, what are you thinking? Well, it's all speculation, first of all. Uh, you, you never know. Un until you see, you know, the, the big guys, <clears throat> excuse me, down there, talking to him, you know, and, and they report that they're there, 
you know, you can you can never really have an idea of what's going on. So right now it's speculation, but you have to think, hey, that contract is coming up. I mean, you don't want to wait until next year to do that. They're they're doing the right thing by addressing it now if that's the case. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh I hope for you know the Red Sox sake, everyone, they get this deal done. Raphael Devers, you know, as a you know, a great hitter like you were. When you see Raphael Devers hitting, what do you think makes him special? What what makes him unique, you think? Well, he's aggressive, first of all. He's one of those players, you know, you would rather be aggressive at the plate than passive. I've always said, you know, attack the ball. And he's that kind of hitter. He's going up there with mean intentions. I mean, he's trying to hurt the ball. So <laughs> anytime you have a guy like that, you know, sometimes you, you tell Raphael, hey, just calm down. You don't have to swing so violent. But that's just his personality. That's just how he is. He wants to really crush the ball. So uh, you don't want to change anything with this guy. You just want him to go out there, be healthy, first of all. If you have a healthy Rafael Devers, you're going to have a, something special. You know, it came to mind, you're talking about aggressiveness. Uh, one guy that maybe, uh, you know, could actually uh, – another benefit of Rafael Devers staying long-term, hey, Tristan Cassis, more of a passive guy at the plate. Maybe he can maybe learn a thing or two about Devers and, you know, how he is at the plate. Uh, could you imagine Cassis with that size maybe getting yeah. a little more aggressive up there, maybe taking a few more hacks? My goodness, that could be a, a scary sight. Those two bats, my goodness, in the middle of the I order, oof. You know what? I think they can learn from each other because, you know, yeah, Christian being a more patient hitter, drawing more walks, you know, eyeballing the pitcher, making him work a little bit more. You know, if if Rafi can get a little of that from Tristan and Tristan get a little of the aggressiveness from Rafi, you're absolutely right. That could be something special for years to come. Well, we can only hope that these reports are uh, they're going to come to fruition you know see i saw the one thing about there was one report i mentioned it a second ago they went out there to wish him a happy birthday i'm just thinking like can you imagine they just fly all the way out there just to give him a birthday cake and say hello i mean it's gotta be a lot more than that man I, yeah I mean, yeah it's more you're not that. flying out to the dominican republic to give someone a birthday cake i'm thinking you're yeah you're looking to get a deal done it, it would make sense that you want to take care of rafael devers first right he's the younger player it's the you know, you want to get this guy locked down. Uh, and then I could imagine turning your attention to Xander Bogart. So let's talk about him. Unfortunately, there's no reports on Xander Bogarts as of right now. So that makes me think the Red Sox are focused on Devers at the moment. But with Xander Bogarts, uh, I think we both agree that this is a guy you got to bring back. What are your general thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to bring him back. I mean, you're talking about a solid player. Not only offensively but defensively, I think he's in the to, in the finalists for the Gold Glove as well. So mm -hmm. you know that's consistency every year that you have. So you know, and, and why look elsewhere when you already have that type of commodity within your organization, and you you, you don't want to lose it. For me, you have that guy who not only proven that he could play in Boston, he can handle the media, he can handle the the fans and everything else, the community. He does great in the communities. Never hear anything negative about Xander Bogarts. You know, that's the kind of player you want to represent your organization. And I think the Red Sox have done a great job with him thus far. And I think they're going to continue to do so. And it would, for me, it would be a big mistake to let him go. Oh, I agree. I, to me, this is kind of one of those guys. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Still putting up fantastic numbers overall. Yeah. A six-win player. 
from last year. You know, sure, he's, uh, you know, he's going to be, well, he's already 30 years old now, just turned 30. But still, this is a guy, I mean, th- this bat is something you want to keep around. It's going to be really hard to replace someone like a Bogarts. Sure, yeah. you got some young players down in the minor leagues, but you can never, really, you can never count on, you know, sure, Marcelo Meyer could be, end up being a special player, but you sure. know, you're looking at maybe three years down the road, and who knows what could end up happening, you know, with their prospects at the end of the day. You know what you have in Bogarts. Uh, yeah. To me, I think it's a no-brainer that you bring him back. I think you got to work out a deal. However, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, I can't help but think of the John Lester situation, you know, when he became a free agent. Well, they ended up trading him, but they were right there. You know, you had John Henry flying out to his house trying to get a deal done, and it was pretty much done that he went to the Chicago Cubs. And very similar situations, they offered John Lester a contract extension in spring training, quite a a low offer. It got criticized pretty heavily. I believe it was like a four-year, like $70 million deal. It was not good. I'm thinking, yeah. like, what the heck is John Lester we're talking about? I, I can't help but think of that when it comes to this. I really hope it doesn't end up being the same. Um, you would have hoped that they could have already worked out something by now. Do you think there's a chance, you know, I mean, that it could end up being something similar to that? I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, there's always a chance. And, and you yeah. have to think about this now. Other clubs – they're going to feel like they need Xander more than the Red Sox, you know, so they're going to be more aggressive for sure. You know, so it's going to be totally up to him to say, okay, how much is enough? How comfortable do I feel in Boston? You know, uh, do I want to go elsewhere? That's something as a free agent. Those are the things, like I said, you're going to have to discuss with your family, your agent and go over all of those issues because that's something that you're going to have to really make a, a wise decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to have to be something that's going to be your decision. First of all, you, you can't let anyone talk you into anything, especially when something like that. Yeah. You know, and like you said, other teams are going to be in on him. I could see the Chicago Cubs getting in on him. I mean, you could, you now you're hearing reports that the San Francisco Giants, when it comes to Aaron Judge, they're uh, looking to, not even get outbid that they're going to supposedly the report is, is they are not going to stop when it comes to Aaron judge. So the giants uh, definitely going after him. But the one thing about that report was that the giants are looking to sign even a couple of more big time free agents to try and entice Aaron judge to come in. So sure. Brandon Crawford is there, but he's a free agent next year. I mean, if you have a chance to bring in someone like a Bogarts, I mean, that could be a really nice addition Ooh. for the San Francisco Giants, yeah. especially if you're trying to lure Judge over to San Fran. So, you know, you're going to have teams out there. You know, I would really look out for the Cubs, really. I mean, they're a team. They would love to add a bat like him. Uh, yeah. I could really see a team like that. I think in the end, the Red Sox, you're – they will have the last say. I think he would like to stay in Boston. I mean, I sure. know the guy personally, but I would think uh, that's where he's been his whole career. And uh, I think he would like to stay there. And You know uh, what? Another thing, I think as far as the free agency is concerned, it's like a domino effect. And, and, and let me just say this. The, the shortstop market is huge this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have four or five top guys that are available. You know, you got Turner. Oof. Yeah. You know, you have uh, Swanson. I'm sorry, Swanson, yeah. Swanson, Correa, Bogey, 
I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that can make a difference in a lot of different clubs. So it depends on, okay, who do they consider the top dog? Yeah. You know? It'll be so, uh it'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening with Bogarts, but we both agree we gotta bring this guy back. Another yeah. guy uh to pay attention to. Now let's shift over to the mound. Is Nathan Evaldi? I think Nathan Evaldi could be a pretty good candidate when it comes to accepting a qualifying offer. It feels like, you know, this isn't the way uh, Nathan Evaldi, or at least I would think this is not the way he would want to go into free agency, uh, battled some injuries this year. It, it wasn't really a, a great year for Nathan Evaldi. I would love right. for him to come back. Obviously he's done some great things with the Red Sox, but you know, last year it just felt like, yeah, it feels like maybe there's a little unfinished business there. You know, what are your thoughts on Nathan Evaldi? Well, you know, Nathan, he's one of those guys, <clears throat> very competitive. And, you know, he got hurt toward the end of the season, of course. Would love to have seen him come back and get two or three starts just to let people know that he's healthy and, you know, he's uh, ready to come back out and contribute to the, to the ball club. But I, I definitely think there's a lot left in the tank with him. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime you can have a fastball from 95 to 98 miles per hour, and your secondary stuff is is pretty damn good as, as well. You know, he, he has a lot left in the tank. I mean, he was one of those guys at the beginning of the season toward the middle of the season that was right there as far as uh, solidifying that rotation and helping the club to get to where they were, like in June where, when everything was going well. Everyone was pitching well at that time. So, yeah, you, you know he has it in the bag. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. That's always been the thing with him health-wise. Yeah, and – uh Absolutely. You know, that's always been the thing. And I, I feel like with Nathan Evaldi, when, you know, if you got a chance to, to go into free agency, you know, after next year, let's say they offer him a qualifying offer and then uh, you could definitely have, you know, him come back for the one year. And I could see him being pretty motivated to have a good season and then he can set himself up for a nice contract next year. I mean, yeah. to me, Nathan Evaldi, he's never really been, at least in my opinion, I've never seen him as an ace. I think he's a, a really good number two when he's healthy. He's not really like that that top dog guy. He can definitely step up for you when you need him to, but yeah, I've never viewed him as, as an ace, but I would love to have him in this rotation. He's an anchor of a rotation to me when yeah, he's healthy. He um, I would love to have him back. I think it just makes sense because the Red Sox do need some starting pitching, and uh, I'll go over some needs here in a second but just going sure. over a few players here uh nathan evaldi yeah so we agree that probably he should come back now jd martinez you know this is an interesting one where uh he will be hitting the free agent market after a season it wasn't an amazing season for jd martinez the power numbers were down not a bad season overall uh, hitting 274 with a 341 on base, but the slugging was a little low at 448. That's not a bad slugging percentage, mm -hmm. but it's not what we're used to seeing with JD Martinez. 16 home runs. I don't know. This is an interesting one. I, I could see people going either way here with JD. Where, where are you leaning more towards with a JD Martinez? Well, like you said, that's very interesting because I thought for sure that he may have gotten traded by the deadline yeah. this past season, you know, get a couple of prospects in the organization for him. And, you know, now he's a free agent. He can just, you know, walk for a draft pick later on, but still, I think, you know, JD, he, he's going to have to have a bounce back season. This was 
for him, it was a very disappointing season. You know, as far as the home runs, the RBI, the run production, this kind of stuff. You know, he knows he's going to have to bounce back with a big year. And I think he can because, you know, his work ethic is unbelievable. You know, the way he studies video and film and the way he watches, he knows his particular swing. This guy can go back into the lab and fix it, especially now. I guarantee you, you know, usually when the season is over, a guy takes about a month off before you really can start getting back into it. I guarantee you he's in the cages right now working on something to, to get him a little faster on that inside pitch because I tell you what, he got beaten away, well, inside early and away late a lot. There was, mm-hmm. there was that little trend throughout the course of the season where you work him in early and go away late, and he would chase, chase, chase. And, and that really it really hurt him. It affected him towards the end of the season. So I'm sure he's working on that now. But look for J.D. to have a big year next year. And I would like to see, you know, the Red Sox, you know, make a, a conscious effort just to address it. But if they mm-hmm. can't, I totally get it because, you know, there, there are so many other big hitters that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with J.D. Martinez, I almost wondered last year, he didn't really miss a lot of time, but I, I almost wonder if he was maybe battling through something last year. Maybe. Well, you some, can tell. I mean, I, yeah, I know a guy's swing. Sometimes his swing was a little long. It was a little loopy. And, you know, he was chasing up a lot. That goes to show me it was either a back issue or upper shoulder, you know, issue, something that something. he wasn't getting to that ball that he normally crushes. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I think, you know, an off season. I would love to see what he could do. Maybe you could come back on a one-year deal. Uh, I think J.D. Martinez, it's not just the numbers that he brings. I think it's just his presence in the mm-hmm. clubhouse, in the dugout as well. You know, guys go to him, you know, when, it, when if they need some help with their hitting. You know, if they see something off. You know, I've yeah. heard J.D. Martinez talk about this before where he watches the other guys in the cages and he, he'll be like, oh, I, I see something here. So, yeah. Do you think that's a pretty underrated aspect when it comes to like a player like a J.D. Martinez? No, I, I think that's very important. Anytime you can have yeah. a guy like that. I mean, I played with a guy like that in San Francisco, Barry Bonds. Barry, could look at he could look at you in the cage and tell you exactly, you know, where you are. It's like he has this memory bank. He knows when what you look like when you're going well, opposed to when you're struggling and what kind of adjustments you need to make. But uh, again, with J.D., you know, if, if the Red Sox are going to, in another direction, <clears throat> you have to remember you didn't have a lot of home run production in the lineup in the first place. You know, you let a couple of big home run guys get away this past season and they had tremendous years elsewhere, you know, and of course you can't do the same thing with JD. And if you do, you have to get some guys in the fold that can produce and pr- produce pretty heavily. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I, I would like for Martinez to come back, but like you said, if, if, it, if it ends up being they part ways, I can understand it. It's going to come down to, you know, I, I think in the end, Bogart's endeavors are the priorities right now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just going to end up being, if it works, it works. You know, if, if both sides can come up with something, um, you know, Bloom, he's always looking at the numbers, looking at projections down the road. I think a one year deal, you know, maybe like an uh, with an option, maybe some incentives. I could see something like that, um, but we'll have to just wait and see. But there is one more guy. Uh, he's a bit of a forgotten guy here. And uh, when it comes to starting pitching, we were hoping we were going to see him last year at some point. Unfortunately, 
never really got over the injuries he was coming back from. But James Paxton, you know, the this big was people. Yeah, you know, I was I was excited when we signed him. I knew going in, you know, to that signing that you know you didn't know if you were going to see him or not. But it was looking like yeah, he was progressing a bit during the season, but then got shut down. Um, with James Paxton, I think he will end up coming back. Uh, there is a club option on him. Last year was a one-year, $10 million deal. Obviously, did not play, but there is a club option for 23 and 24. I mean, to me, if – and also, he can exercise a player option for $4 million if they don't exercise the club option. So it's a bit of an interesting contract. I think the Red – me, just my opinion, I think the Red Sox did that because they knew he probably – there's a good chance maybe he couldn't have pitched or really not that much last year. Yeah. So that's why they have a two-year club option. I would think they're probably wanting to exercise that. I don't know. It's an interesting contract. What are your thoughts on just that overall contract? Well, you know, anytime you're coming off an injury like that, every player is totally different. You know, everybody comes back at a different time frame. You know, Noah Syndergaard, it took him two years to get back. Okay. Uh, now you look at uh, the the big guy in Houston. Uh, I'm, I'm having a brain cramp here. Oh, uh, Verlander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verlander. He comes back in a year and a half, almost two years. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Other guys come back a lot quicker. Chris Sale came back a little quicker. So it yeah. really depends on the player. So the Red Sox, for me, they were really smart to back in that contract the way they did. And and you know for for Paxton, you know you have to think as a player. It's not always about the money. And here's a club that spent that time with you, rehabbed you throughout the course of the season. There's some loyalty there with that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, he's feeling like, okay, I owe the Red Sox something. I should come back and, and play for them and prove to them and everyone else that I'm 100%. So I, I think he's going to come back in the fold, and I think he's going to be a big part of that rotation. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, he's had a whole year here to – you know, really work his way back. And like you said, I think there's some loyalty. I, I think they're, they knew this coming in. And that's why I think they put the two-year club option in there. Sure. Because, you know, it, that just seems like they just knew this could happen. So I expect James Paxton to be back. So we're through the the big free agents here. Now let's move on to where we can address, you know, this Red Sox team in 2023. Uh, right off the bat, if you were to just go with one need, one area that you need to improve on this team, where you know, with you watching this team all year, what do you think they really need to work on here? I mean, you just can't pinpoint it to one thing. There are yeah, so many things that, that <laughs> popped up last year. I mean, you know, the back end bullpen, okay, the mm. rotation, uh, defense, base running. There were there are so many issues that came up during the course of the season that needs to be, you know, ironed out. And, uh, but if there were one thing that I would address, that would have to be the bullpen. Mm -hmm. You have to have a bridge to a closure and that closure has to be someone you can lean on and have faith in to bring in at any given time, you know, but that bridge from that seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you have to have, a consistency right there. 
Yeah. And uh, I have some numbers here for you when it comes to the bullpen. I agree this bullpen does need some work. And uh, one big aspect of the bullpen, you know, last year I was thinking here, Garrett Whitlock, keep him in the closer role. It just felt like that was the place for him at least last year. But now it's looking like Garrett Whitlock will most likely move into the rotation. They were having him start last year. He was going through some injuries. He had ended up having um, a surgery on his hip. So Garrett Whitlock most likely will be in the starting rotation. Now, this leaves a pretty big hole at the back end of the bullpen. Matt Barnes, he did not have it last year. Tanner Houck had some problems with his back. Schreiber was a great option. I don't know if I fully see him as a closer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded if they had him as a closer last year, but I feel like he's a really solid setup guy. I would like uh, maybe a little bit more strikeouts in the closer role, but... Yeah. I think they really need a shutdown option here in this bullpen. But one other thing I want to point out with this bullpen, they gave up a lot of walks last year, almost four walks per nine that ranked 25th in Major League Baseball last year. And uh, they could use some more strikeouts as well. They're right in the middle, 15th overall in strikeouts per nine. So a big option at the back end of the bullpen could really alleviate some of these issues. The big guy on the market is Edwin Diaz. Now there's a chance here that Edwin Diaz could end up maybe even getting the, the first reliever to get a hundred million bucks. He, sure. this guy is absolutely filthy. Don't know if I see Heim Bloom doing that when it comes to Heim Bloom and the bullpen, he always seems to go and find those diamonds in the rough. I don't know. I would, if we had an Edwin Diaz bring the trumpets to Boston, I would absolutely love that. But, um, <laughs> I mean, Boston would love him, but I don't see Bloom spending the money. You got some other options here. You know, another guy, another couple of guys on the Mets are going to be free agents. You got Seth Lugo. You got Trevor May. There's Taylor Rogers. He was with the Padres and he was in the Josh Hader trade. He went back to the Brewers. Yep. Now he struggled with the Brewers. He was better with the Padres. So there are some options. There is even a Kenley Jansen out there, you know. He, had a, he only had the one-year deal with the Braves. So, I don't know. You know, what do you think? Do you think maybe they go with an external option for the ninth inning, go for a closer out there, or do you think maybe they do something in-house? No, I think you have to go outside the house <clears throat> to get someone. And you have to get someone with some experience in that area. Yeah. You don't want to go there and, and the closers road. That's one of the most important areas in the bullpen. You want someone that's anchored down, been there before knows how to do the job even if you go through some you know some problems during the course of the season he can bounce back so i would definitely say go out and get a free agent and bring him in and uh got some history there okay yeah, yeah. when you do that when you do that you can always you know you know you, you talk about jason woodlock i mean this is a guy that he's like a swiss army knife he can do so many things okay mm-hmm. he can start for you he can be the, the the first guy out of the pen. He could be the setup guy. He could be a closer. But how is he going to be most effective with the Red Sox? Now, the question was, can he be a starter? Yes, he. we've seen that he could start. Where, but the question is, where does he feel more comfortable? That's the most important thing. Forget everything that he can do. Of course, yeah, he could do it. But where does he feel more comfortable? That's what you have to really think about. And for me, I think he feels comfortable coming in in that seventh, 
eighth inning, somewhere around that range. Because yeah. he, he can give you one good solid inning, maybe two, because he can he can spread it out a little bit, stretch it out, give you two innings coming in out of the pen, very effective. Now, in that starter's role, you're not going to want him to go five innings every time because, you know, at some point you're going to want to stretch him out. Yeah. Can, can he do that consistently? We don't know. Yeah. But we know he can do that coming out of the bullpen. Oh, he was so good in 2021. It yeah. was like and the big part of Garrett Whitlock, what makes him so good is he releases the ball so close to the plate. He had so much extension on his pitches. Like yeah. it, the, these hitters, they don't have enough time to because the ball is coming out just so close to the plate. It's uh to me, he was a special guy in that closer role. I, I was yeah. I'm thinking here when they're starting him last year, I'm thinking, my goodness, like he has shown what he can do. Now with him, uh, you know, he has said that you know he wants to start. It, it reminds me of you know some other you know, there's been some other guys like that in the past, but with Whitlock, it seems like that's where his heart is. He wants to be a starting pitcher, but mm-hmm. man, he's so good in that closer role. I don't know. It's, well, uh, it's well, going to be interesting. Being a, being a starting pitcher, you know your role, okay? Yeah. It's not like I'm coming out of that pen. I don't know when I'm going to come out of that pen. As soon as that phone rings, you, you know your situation. This might be one of my roles here. But when you're a starting pitcher, you know you're every fifth day. Yeah. And every pitcher, that's their number. They want to be a starter, of course, because that's, that's where everything is. I mean, that's where the big money is. That's where – you can get the best out of yourself, anything like that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. But we do have some options here. Of course, I would love some trumpets with Eben Diaz, but it, I don't know if the if Bloom is going to spend I don't all think that he's going to get out of New York. Yeah, I think the Mets, it just, I would say he either stays with the Mets or the Yankees really go in on him. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Like you mentioned earlier, a domino effect. If they don't, if they don't end up getting judged, all of a sudden, they have some money. You know, they already have money, but now they're yeah. going to have more money if they don't ever end up getting Judge back. So, yeah, I'm always saying the if, Judge, if Judge leaves the Yankees and the American League, he's going to the National League. There's no way he's going to yeah. go back to New York on a regular basis <laughs> and take that abuse from a from a place that actually loved him prior. No, he's not going to do that. He's yeah. going to go to a totally different league, and then you're talking about a whole another set of marbles getting acclimated to a new league. Yeah, it'd be interesting. But now I want to say here, I agree the bullpen definitely needs some help. They definitely need an option at the back end. They need a guy that's going to shut it down. But, ooh, this starting pitching this past year, it was uh, – it, it really – you know, they ran into a lot of injuries, yep. uh, not a lot of innings out of the starters. If we're looking here at the numbers, the Red Sox last year, they only ranked 21st in innings pitched. So they definitely need some more innings out of this bullpen or sorry, the starting rotation. Another thing about the Red Sox is they gave up a lot of home runs. The starting rotation did the starting pitchers were not very good at keeping the ball in the yard. They actually were 25th in home runs per nine, uh, 1.25 home runs per nine. I mean, when you're giving up a, you know, home run or two home runs a game, I mean, that's, that's not very fun. They need some starting pitching. They need some innings. And I think a guy that can get some, you know, ground balls would obviously be very helpful. Keep the ball yeah. in the yard. We got a few options here. Now, 
the easy option, the big option here that does check off those boxes. He did a great job at keeping the ball in the yard and he's very good. Carlos Rodon, uh, that is the, the big ticket option here for the starting pitchers. I mean, I, I don't see why the Red Sox couldn't be in that market. I don't know with, with how you've seen the Red Sox operate when it comes to you know spending money the last years, do you think they could go after a big time starting option? Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about Carlos Rodon, you know, he he was the Giants just I tell you what, they 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 found this guy that got a great deal with him on a two-year deal to go to San Francisco. The question was, could he stay healthy? Cuz he had health issues as well, but mm-hmm. had a had a solid year this year, all-star caliber player, and I tell you what, he just upped his stock doing this year and yeah he's going to be one of those guys that's going to draw a lot of interest this offseason uh he, he's got to be one of the top starters out there yeah um yeah and uh yeah he's gonna he's gonna back up the brinks truck i tell you that absolutely i mean yeah he's definitely one of the top options you got jacob Degrom, uh justin verlander could be out there as well we're gonna have some options but carlos rodon definitely one of the big ticket items he did have the luxury of you know playing at Oracle, a little bit more of a spacious park. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see would he give up some more home runs at Fenway. But I think if you could add someone like this and if he stays healthy, it's obviously going to be an upgrade to your rotation. Sure. Now I have a few other options. I got a few other options here for you. Let's hear it. Let's hear that. If Hein Bloom doesn't want to, you know, spend the money if he wants to maybe go for some cheaper deals, we do have some other guys out here. And like I said, we got to try and keep the ball in the yard. And uh, we got to get some innings. And we have some guys here that uh, I think you could end up looking at. So let me share my screen here once again. Uh, One guy that comes to mind is Jose Quintana. A lot of ground balls, a lot of innings. I honestly think, you know, this could be a guy. You could get him for a pretty decent deal. He seems like a high bloom kind of a move where a little, you know, more, a little more on the cheap end, but he can give you some effective innings. I don't know. What do you think of someone like a Quintana, like a middle of the rotation kind of a guy? Well, he's going to give you the quality innings, of course. Uh, not a, not a big velo kind of guy, velocity guy. Yeah. He's, he's even more of a pitcher. He throws in and out, elevate with two strikes. Uh, not going to blow you away, but he knows how to pitch. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. Could he help the rotation? Of course he could. But it has to be a good deal. It has to be the right situation. And it depends mm-hmm. on what the Red Sox do otherwise. I mean, that's not someone that I would target right off the bat. Right, right. You know, but yeah, I, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and another guy. And this guy's actually, he's been in the in the division. He has pitched against the Red Sox quite a bit. Ross Stripling had himself a really good year last year. He had 32 games. 24 of them were starts. A very underrated year. You know, we heard a lot about Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, but Ross Stripling was quite an anchor in that rotation. He really was Mr. Consistency over there yeah. behind Gosman and Manoa. And he's proven that he can pitch in the American League East. He's proven that he can pitch at some of these parks. You know, I could honestly see the Red Sox maybe taking a look. You know, again, I think you, he's one of these guys like Quintana, like you said, maybe not the first option to really yeah. go after, yeah. but once the market clears up a little bit then i could see bloom maybe taking a look at someone like him because he has proven himself uh to pitch in this division and then there's another option here too an old friend had a really good year 
with the Texas Rangers was Martin Perez. Now, I don't know if the Red Sox, I mean, Bloom just seemed to have a thing for Martin Perez because he liked the advanced numbers. He liked that right. he didn't give up a lot of hard contact. That's the one thing with Perez is he really, he the exit velocity off of him is not high. So then this year with Texas, he really found a way to put it together. He got a ton of ground balls, uh, over 50% ground balls this year. And that's, I really think that's what the Red Sox need. They need a guy that can keep the ball on the ground. Perez, I don't know. Maybe he was in the right situation with Texas. He didn't put up these kind of numbers with Boston. Yeah. What, what, what would you think about a reunion here with Martin Perez? You know, again, you know, you, you talk about players that pitch and play well other places and not in Boston. Yeah. You know, Boston's not for everyone. You know, there, I, I've said that for, you know, everyday players for a number of years. You have to be a certain kind of player to play in Boston, New York, Philly. You know, those three places with the media, with the fans, with everything that's going on, there's tradition of winning here. You know, there's there's a little expectation, a little more expectation in those cities than anywhere else. Now, he may have felt more relaxed in Texas like he did before. So, I mean, you never know. But I tell you what, as soon as he left here, he dealt. Like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. But yeah, but there there's so many different options out there, like you said, as far as you know, rotational help. Um, yeah. But my whole thing is when you have the New York Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays, Tampa Bay Rays, and the up and coming Baltimore Orioles in your division and all finished ahead of you, you definitely have to make some sort of decisions, some big moves. Um you know, to get back in the race. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be number one. I agree. So now, yeah, like, you know, these options that I presented, more middle of the rotation guys, but, you know, I really wouldn't mind an addition like, you know, one of these guys that can give you some innings and also keep the home runs down as well. The rotation as of yeah. right now, according to fan graphs, if I go share my screen once again, uh, if Chris Sale is healthy and good to go, you're looking at him on opening day. Nick Pavetta you know, had his ups and downs this year. He threw a lot of innings. And, uh, you know, Pavetta, I still think, is going to be in this rotation. We talked about Garrett Whitlock. Could he end up moving over there? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Brian Bayo, most likely, I think we're going to see him uh, every five days in that rotation. I think that could be pretty fun. But it feels like they could use another guy or, or two. And then Nathan Evaldi, obviously, what, what ends mm -hmm. up happening with him. You know, I saw a quote uh, the other day about – uh, with George Steinbrenner. George Steinbrenner, he always thought you never have enough starting pitching. Remember they were saying, he's right. like, you know, oh, George, we got eight starting pitchers. Perfect. Awesome. But we need more. You know, it's like, I always feel like you, you can never have enough starting pitching. You just feel like the Red Sox really need to beef up the amount of starters that they can have. Well, I tell you what, after this year, my thought process is leaning toward that. Yeah. You know, because you had so many injuries this year. You had so many different things that popped up, you know, during the course of the season. Uh, so if you can go out and add one or maybe two more free agent pitchers, yeah, I can see that. Because that's when I was talking about that domino effect, even in the pitching staff. You know, you already have, uh, you know, Nivaldi, you have Ivaldi, you got, uh, you know, who, who else did you say there? You got 
Yeah, we had uh, Pavetta, Bayo. we had Bayo, and then you yeah. had some other guys Bayo, like Bayo. Cutter Crawford, and, Winkowski. And Bayo, Bayo kind of, he solidified himself this year. I mean, that kid going to be amazing. So, yeah. yeah, if you can go out on the free agent market and get at least one top free agent out there, bring him back into Boston, oh, yeah, things are going to be looking a heck of a lot better. Absolutely. But now, so we've talked about the bullpen. We've talked about the rotation. Let's yeah. talk about the offense. You know, it really Ooh. felt like the offense this year really just lacked another thumper of a bat. You could you yeah. could feel the the um, the subtraction of Hunter Renfro. It, it just felt like you didn't have that right-handed bat. They brought in Story to to replace that bat. You know, Story had some injuries. I think you're going to see a a better season out of Trevor Story. You know, like you've mentioned here before with Story getting acclimated yep. to a new league. You know, and again, he battled some health issues this year had the wrist uh, fracture. I think story, I think you can end up having a really good season. And then uh, Kike Hernandez was having some issues last year with the hip. Um, but it seems like the one glaring hole as of right now is right field. And man, oh man, we've talked about it. The, <laughs> the, I mean, I hate to go to these easy options because they're the top options. Yeah. But man, Aaron Juggs really checks off a lot of boxes <laughs> for you. Um, do you I think can't the Red Sox have I, any I, shot? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't see that one. Uh, you know that that's like the kiss of death. Yeah, it, it, you know, I don't think he would leave New York and come to Boston. I mean, you, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I mean, you mentioned yeah. this before with the A Rod thing, uh, right? Years back, you never know. But who would have thought Damon would have went? Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see that happening. But yeah, I mean. <clears throat> there's a guy that can make a difference in a lot of different places, you know? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it is easy to look to him. He's going to have uh, a lot of suitors going out for him. I mentioned the giants. They said their, you know, reports are, they're not going to stop until they get Aaron judge, supposedly uh, Bogarts, obviously. And that's the other, you know, glaring hole in the lineup. You got to find a way to bring him back. Yeah. Uh, but if we're just paying attention to right field, right. Shortstop, whatever happens there, you have if Bogarts were to not come back, worst case scenario, you could slide Trevor Story over to short. You can figure out second base. You have a Christian Arroyo there. You know, you, you could go on to the market for a second baseman, you know, someone like a Caesar Hernandez you could bring in. Worst case is there the team is not again. I, I think you gotta bring back Bogarts, but if you don't, you can figure it out. And I, I'm not saying that's a great solution but there is a way to solve that issue maybe not completely solve the issue but yeah. you can figure it out with right field it doesn't really feel like there's a a great fix internally you know you have someone like a Franchi Cordero but I don't think that's really the guy you turn to I like Rob Ref Snyder uh but to me he's more of a bench guy there is a is an issue here with right field and it feels like they need to figure something out here. Judge is obviously an option, but you do have some other options. Uh, we have an old friend. We have an old friend in Andrew Benintendi who is going to be a free agent, a left-handed bat. Uh, you could have a Verdugo move out to right, and Benintendi is more of a left fielder. So could we maybe see a reunion with Andrew Benintendi? I, I don't know. What would you think about Benintendi possibly coming back? Well, I mean, like I said, he's he's played here in Boston. He knows how to play in Boston. He's a great player. 
uh, <clears throat> excuse me, put the ball in play. He has some power. But, you know, a right fielder, that's exactly what you have to have. You have to have the guy that's going to put the ball in play, hit some balls out of the ballpark, a run producer. That is the position for power, right field. So I don't know other free agents that are out there, but, yeah, I mean, you could do a little slip and slide over from left to right um, with, with Ben Attendee or, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of options that are out there as far as numbers that you can fill in right there. Right. And uh, there are some other op options for right field. I, I agree with you. I think you need to do some form of, of, of a power bat yep. for right field. You do have a guy like an Adam Duvall. He can hit some homers. You got someone like a Mitch Hanniger. He battled health issues last year, but when he's healthy, that can be a really good bat. Uh, you know, someone like a Robbie Grossman, not a great option. He can get on base. But really, after that, there's not a whole ton of options when it comes yeah. to free agency and right field. There is one guy that I think could be interesting is Michael Conforto. Uh, he ended up not signing with the team last year. It seemed like because there was the qualifying offer attached to him. So no teams wanted to give up a draft pick. And uh, he ended up not coming back at all, even after the draft. And uh, there, I guess there was, you know, some stuff going on with the shoulder as well. The Red Sox did make a phone call, according to reports last off season. I wonder if you could turn to someone like him. He is a left-handed bat. I think I would like to have a right-handed bat, but you know, I don't know. What would you think about someone like Conforto, who's been out of the game for a little bit now, do you think you could see the Red Sox maybe taking a chance on him? You know, I think he can, he's going to draw some interest because here's a guy <clears throat> left-handed bat, solid outfielder has power. Yeah. Like you said, he missed some time this year, but not, a, not, not significant amount of time. I think here's a guy that can come out and produce some runs for you. I like his swing. I, his short, quick, solid bat. Yeah. If if he can get back, you know, into the swing of things, he could be a help for a lot of teams. Yeah, I agree. Conforto, he it was just such an interesting free agent last year, just because again, he had that qualifying offer tied to him. No mm -hmm. teams, especially nowadays, no one wants to be giving up draft picks now. So right. it was unfortunate for him. I mean, I can see, you know, you thinking here, man, you got to feel for the guy because you know, no one's Everyone, the teams know how good of a player he could be, but he had a health issues and no one wanted to take a risk on him. So it was, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe this can end up being a good thing. He's had a whole year to, you know, get healthy and, uh, you know, get himself ready for this offseason. There you is one what? other area on this, uh, in this lineup that you could see the Red Sox maybe turn to. I actually wonder if maybe they stay in house here, but I want to hear your thoughts. The catcher position, you know. Christian Vasquez will be a free agent. You could, could maybe turn back to him. Uh, he, when asked about it, I mean, obviously you can't really talk about it, but hey, he definitely, he never, he didn't even uh, turn it down, the idea of yeah. coming back. Um, it'll be interesting. You know, could you bring someone back like, like a Christian Vasquez? You're going to have some other options. Wilson Contreras can be a free agent. Uh, there is someone like a Mike Zanino who was hurt last year. That's a, power right-handed bat i would see bloom loving to bring a former tampa uh, tampa bay ray i could see a bit of a connection there there's something about gary sanchez 
to me. I wonder if Bloom would just love the idea of bringing in like that the the power that he could have at Fenway Park. I think the catching position is intriguing. I got to hear your thoughts on this. What, what do you think? Would you stay in house here, or would you go to the free agent market? Well, I think you have to also just think about the free agent market when it comes to catchers because, yeah. you know, the in-house options that you have don't have the experience for a full season. Okay, you, you're talking, you know, uh, Carnal Wong. Mm -hmm. He showed some defensive skills, you know, great arm, but who knows exactly what that might be like over a course of a season. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. And I mean, you talk about Gary Sanchez. I mean, here's a guy that got tremendous power. Now, how's his throwing? I I, I can't remember. <laughs> not, I mean, he can throw, but he is basically – now, I'm not a professional catcher by any means. I will yeah. never even be close to one. But at the major league level, watching him catch was just abysmal. It was, it, it was painful. And he was on the Yankees, and I'm watching him, and I'm just – I feel bad for the Yankee fans having to watch him catch uh, yeah. really good arm. The guy could really gun some guys down on the bases, sure. but he just looked like he couldn't frame. He couldn't, he just looked like a brick wall back there no. and not a good way. You know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Christian Vasquez came back to Boston yeah. being a free agent. I mean, he handled this rotation extremely well. Oh, yeah. I thought he did. I really thought he did a great job with the He's team. amazing. Yeah. And, you know, him being a free agent, he's not playing as much as I thought he might play in Houston. Yeah. You know, so you never know. You, I mean, you know, him and Maldonado are splitting time, but he's not getting as many at bats as Maldonado at this point. And I think that, um, you know, that would be something that's on his mind for sure. I mean, he was comfortable in Boston. He, he loves the city, the fans, the, the, the players on the team. So, no, I wouldn't be totally shocked with that. But, uh, yeah. It, I think, you know, you have to look at outside the box when you're talking about catching, you know, especially when you talk about some veteran type players. You don't want to just put all the emphasis on in-house rookie young players and have that stress of handling a rotation as well as defensively, you know, to help the club. No, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I would love for Vasquez to come back. Uh, you do have Reese McGuire, who was very good defensively last year. Actually, one of the better defensive catchers in Major League Baseball last year, an 11.9 defense on fan graphs. That was near the top. So I feel good about him being on this team defensively. I could see, because you have him for the defense, I could honestly see Bloom maybe doing a bit of like a platoon here maybe going for an offensive player. That's why you had Kevin Ploiecki. Oh, you're going and, left, uh, right just, there? Yeah, you know, and he he was more of that offensive guy. But now you have McGuire, who's the defense. So I wonder what Bloom does here. I think this is one of the more intriguing questions for the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, a couple more things before we do get out of here for tonight. I just want to yeah. point out there are some other areas for the Red Sox to improve. Uh, I think, you know, with you, you've mentioned this before. They needed something better on the bases this year. They were right near the bottom, 27th yeah. in base running this past year. We've talked about this before. Alex Cora, there's no way he's happy with that. They just didn't seem like they were very good at getting hit and runs, getting some stolen bases. You know, it just felt yeah. like there was just a lack of speed there. Um, 
another thing to mention here is contact percentage. You know, we all we like to talk about these numbers. We like to you know, look at exit velocities and all that, but really just a nice simple thing of putting the ball in play. Right. I just feel like it's forgotten about. Um, and the Red Sox were only 19th last year, uh, right around a little just below 76% contact percentage. When you look at some of the top teams, uh, Cleveland had the highest. Houston, who's in the World Series at number two. Uh, the Mets were at number three. Padres at number five. You know, Toronto at number eight. So you had some of these better playoff teams. When you can put the ball in play, you, you, more likely than not, now it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a ton of success. Yeah. You know, we see teams like the Rockies, the Nationals had high contact percentages. It also comes down to, you know, bat speed as well. You know, there's a lot more factors. But if more often than not, if you can put the ball in play, good things can happen. So I think the Red Sox do need to improve on that. Uh, if you were to kind of lean, you know, offensively for the Red Sox, you know, what do you think they maybe need to focus on? Or do you think maybe a little bit of both? Do you think they need to focus on maybe just getting some more power in this lineup? Or do you think they should focus more on getting some more contact, some more speed? Well, I mean, baseball, you know, hasn't changed over a hundred years. Come on. Anytime yeah. you can, anytime you can go out and play the game of baseball. And when I say that, there's so many different aspects of the game, you know, hit and run, bunting, base stealing. That all puts things. You could put a guy in scoring position either way there. And you don't see enough of that nowadays. I don't know what happened the last few years, but it's like a dinosaur. It's like it's extinct. Now you very seldom see a team that does it all anymore. Right. And, you know, everyone's, you know, like you say, you know, this launch angle, lift and separate, try to hit the ball out of the park. We're going to wait for the big home run inning. I think that's some boring baseball, to be honest with you. Oh, I, awesome. I love the athleticism of a club that can go out there. Look, let me just give you a good example. I didn't think this team was going to win, but the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah. Any, they had no power. They had Jose Ramirez with 28 to 30 home runs. They had Josh Naylor with 20 or 22 home runs. That's it. Yeah. They produced their runs with contact, base running, moving guys over, having the base pads just, you know, always on fire. Everyone is moving. And they caused havoc. If You know, the Yankees, of course, hit nine home runs again in that series to win the series. But still, if if you have a team that's balanced with power and some athleticism with some speed, man, you can run through this league like none before. And I say that all the time. Um, you know, and, and Alex Cora, he came up in the era where, you know, you bunt it, you hit and run, you move guys over, you steal some bags. But, of course, you you have to deal with what you have in the organization, make the best of what you have. But I just think that's something that needs to come back into the game. And they're trying to do things in the game now to speed up the game, to make it more aggressive, making the bases bigger. You know, that, that, that for yeah. me, that's, that's saying, okay, we're trying to, to get some kind of runs going in the course of the game, make it a little easier to steal bags. There's no more shifting. You know, guys act like they couldn't yeah. hit the other way. Well, Jesus, if you got a hole over on the other side, why would I go ahead and pull this ball? Let me hit it the other way. And beat the shift, but you didn't see that. I'm like, okay, yeah. something's going on here. But yeah, let's get back to playing baseball. 
and not yeah. just sitting back waiting for a, a three-run inning with a home run, the chances of you hitting that home run are slim to none. But the chances of you still in the bag, dropping a butt down for a hit, running something out, hit and run, you can do that. You can manufacture runs. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we've seen, you know, hey, we're, we're a Red Sox podcast here. We can make fun of the Yankees here a little bit. Now, the Yankees, uh, every year they have a, a good team, you know, 100 wins, you know, close to it at least. It just feels like they just lean so much on the analytics. Like they try to be the Rays, you know, they try to be the A's, they try to be the Guardians. Like they're, they're, yeah. it's weird because they're a big market team and they're trying to play like a small market team. It's just like a weird thing when, you know, to me, when you look at the two managers that are in the World Series right now, Dusty Baker. Rob Thompson. These are veteran guys, especially Dusty Baker. You're not seeing, I guarantee Dusty Baker is not going home at night, diving onto his computer and running <laughs> his, you know, anim, analytics simulators and trying no. to figure out, you know, no, this is a guy, I think Dusty, and he's even talked about it before, where, yeah, he welcomes the numbers. He welcomes sure. the, the advanced numbers, but he has to, he has a feel for the game, you know? And yeah. same thing with Rob Thompson. You know, this is a guy where, yeah. He likes the numbers. You know, Brian Snicker with the Braves likes the numbers, but they're also just, you you know, using their heads too. You know, sometimes yeah. you're going to be right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong, but I agree. I think you need to have a bit of a balance, and that's where the Yankees, it's like they made just some of the weirdest calls, you know, taking out Cole. I understand you had the bases loaded there, um, you know, no outs, but it's like, God, that is your ace. That is the guy you're paying, you know, how much money per year? You know, and he was, he did not like getting taken out of that game. No. He wanted to, yeah, it's like, you got to let the guy just do the job. And sometimes, you know, imagine if he gets out of the, imagine if he gets out of that, you know, maybe he only gives up a run, they get a double play, get a strikeout, how much that could rev up your team, you know, it's, but you didn't even give them the option. And then they went to a Lou Trevino and it's like, all right, fine. If you're going to take out your best starting picture, could you at least go with, you know, one of your best relievers. Trevino's been good, but he's not a he's not a Jonathan Loisaga yeah. in there. Or you know, and Clay Holmes was barely used, and it was so weird. Just some of the weirdest things, and it's but that just goes to show you could have that much talent. You could have a record breaking season from an Aaron Judge, and it still doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if you're just yeah. going so heavily on numbers, well, then look what's going to happen. It's going to turn into just a mess, you know. And well. I just I just like the fact that you know baseball is still baseball. And you you yeah. mentioned the Atlanta Braves. I mean, the Atlanta Braves, man, they they have some young athletic players on that team. You know, Ozzy Albies, you know, uh, Acuna, they have Dansby Swanson, they have that center fielder Harris. These yeah. guys go out not only hit the ball, hit for an average, but they hit for power as well as get on the bases and and steal bags. <clears throat> They create things, and that's what I mean with baseball. You have to start creating these runs. You just can't sit back and just wait all the time. If I'm a fan at the today's game with a lot of teams, I'm bored as heck. Uh, there's no way. Yeah, like the Rays. When you look at the Rays, they gotta kind of they gotta go that way. They gotta yeah. go that route of using the advanced metrics, the numbers, because they don't have the money like these other teams do. Mm -hmm. They got they have to think outside the box like that, and for them. It works now. And, and that's another thing too. 
you can use all the analytics you want. You can use all the numbers you want. But if you don't got the right people at least doing it, then it's like, what good's that? What good is it going to do for you? The Rays, they got just the best people doing it, right? That's where they said they knew they couldn't spend money on these players, but they can go out and get some of these guys that can really dig into the numbers, right? And they can work behind the scenes, you know? Sure. That's where they've spent their money because that's really all they can. That's that's where they that's the only way they can spend their money. Um, but the Yankees, on the other hand, you have the luxury of you know winning all these World Series over the years. You have that market. You know, it's if you're going to use the analytics, at least do it well. You sure. know, it's like crazy to me, like some of the moves they saw. But speaking of, you know, before we do get out of here, one more thing. I mean, we have to talk about the World Series that's starting in a couple of days. Sure. Uh, you know, I I love this matchup. I love the matchup. You got a Phillies team that were 21 and 29 or whatever it was uh, with Girardi. And then they ended up going to Rob Thompson and look at how they've turned around their season. They've had just such a fun lineup this year. Really good starting pitching. Bullpen has been sneaky good. And then this Astros team, they're just so good all the way around. Like everything is so good. Ellis, man, I got to hear what, what are you thinking here with the World Series? Which way are you leaning? You going Astros? You going well, Phillies? I don't know. We think. You know, you, you talk about the Phillies and the start that they got off to. Got rid of their manager Joe Girardi, brought in Rob Thompson, did a tremendous job. Sort of reminds me of the Braves of last year. Got off to that slow start, and then it just got hot as heck throughout the middle of the season, toward the end of the season, on fire. The Phillies are a tough club, and they showed not only can they you know, catch the ball. They can play some defense. There was a couple of games where they had a couple of little hiccups here and there, but they put the ball in play. They're going to hit the long ball as well. They got great bullpen. They got the starting rotation. Everything is clicking right now. You know, they, they walked through the playoffs and surprised a lot of people, you know, you, you know, so <clears throat> the field is going to be tough. Houston, oh, yeah. on the other hand, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Oh, sorry. No, you go. You go. Yeah. Houston, on the other hand, you know, here's a team that's been there four out of the last six years in, in the uh, ALCS. And I tell you what, since the, the scandal, you know, Dusty has gone over there. He's right at the ship. These guys are playing just as well. You're not hearing about that cheating scandal anymore because that's what he he was brought in there to do to clean it up. And that's exactly what he did. But they still had the talent. Carrera leaves, and all of a sudden they, they bring in the young kid, and he's just, he didn't miss a step. I mean, 22 home runs, three or four in the playoffs this year. I mean, he's Pena, he's doing unbelievable and looking like he belongs. He's been there yeah, for years, you know, been there for years, man. And, and the thing about that, it's going to be a great series. I mean, both bullpens are top notch, oh. they got great starting pitching. You know, you got a young, aggressive team on both sides. It's hey, you're talking about a big time war right here. I, I like it. I, I and I can't give you a pick right now. Of course, my heart. I would love to see Dusty get him a championship, get a win, oh, yeah. win the World Series, right off on that white horse in history, and you know something like that. But I, you know, even if Dusty wins the World Series, I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's going to come back for one more year. But yeah, I don't think he'll ever leave. Yeah, I think, never. I think he's just, man. He's uh, you know, Dusty Baker. You know, actually. 
um, one of your best seasons in the major leagues actually was with Dusty Baker. The year 2000, you finished 15th in MVP voting. You hit 344 that year, a 419 on base, a 606 slugging. You had an OPS over 1,000, a solid season, 24 homers, 96 RBIs. Dusty Baker was your manager in 2000. Yep. I got to, you know, you obviously – you've seen a lot of dusty Baker, you know, what are, what can you tell us about dusty Baker? You know, what is, uh, we, we see him all the time on, you know, TV yeah. and the press conferences you know, as a man, you know, what, what are, what is something you could tell us about dusty Baker? Dusty Baker. It's like having your dad out there with you. You know, if you got a yeah. great relationship with your father, that's exactly what it's like. And, and dusty Baker, he's going to let you be who you are. He's not going to try to change you. He's going to put you in the best, situation to be at your best every day and you know I, I have so much respect and love for the guy he's one of those managers you, you know you've heard the old cliche and old saying a player's manager okay and, and i'm explain to you what that is a player's manager is a guy that like i said puts you in the best situations gives you days off here and there he's gonna let you know three or four days ahead of time when your day off is coming so you can prepare whatever with your family or whatnot and, and and he's always got your back. And he reminds me of a Terry Francona, same type of guy. Tito Francona mm -hmm. and Dusty Baker came from the same school, the old school of baseball. Not not saying that he he's not going to say he's better, but the thing about him, he's going to work with you on every situation. And that's mm -hmm. what a good manager does. He manages the players that he has. He knows how to put bring the best out of each one of those guys. And that's what I can appreciate about the man. And uh, I, I, I listened to the interviews the other day. Alex Bregman was saying, hey, we love Dusty here. Dusty's done a great job. And that's what you hear everywhere he's gone. And and that's, that's the main thing about Dusty Baker because he played the game the same way as he's managing the game. Yeah. You know, same kind of guy. And that's what you, that, that's all you can expect from a good manager is to have a great relationship with his players, the organization, the media, the fans, and that he has. Yeah, and, you know, just goes to show, you know, we're talking about these analytics and everything. I I, I just think a lot of it is just so – it's a lot of micromanaging. And with Dusty, the Astros, they're letting him just do his job. You know, they're letting him do what he needs to do. They trust him. They let him just go to work, you know, instead of, you know, being on his – you know over on his back all the time saying, Oh, you got to start this guy here. And it's like, you're not going to tell Dusty Baker that my goodness. Uh, I got to say after watching these two championship series, you know, the playoffs in baseball, it's just a crap shoot. You never know. It's like, yeah, one team could look just phenomenal. And all of a sudden this other team just, they just got your number, you know, somehow. I mean, the Astros though, there is just something about this Astros team it, it, now, sure, the Yankees' offense was a bit cold, but every single time the Yankees made some kind of a mistake, you know, error in the field or whatever, the Astros yeah. just took advantage of it. And that, to me, is something, you know, I'm sure there is a stat somewhere for it, but it, it, that is just something a, a good team does, right? They see an opportunity and they take it. It just felt like they just handled this Yankee team yeah. Like it was nothing. It felt like, you know, some of these games were pretty close, but it never felt close. It felt like the Astros, they just knew what they were doing. You know, it's well, like they just had a game plan, you know? You're absolutely right about that. 
you know, as a as an opposing team, you feel like you can't make a mistake because the Astros will counter on your mm-hmm. mistakes. And that's exactly what a good team does. You make that mistake, they're going to make a move on you and make you pay for it. And that's what they've done this whole playoffs season this year. And I, I tell you what, doesn't it seem like the 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 World Series is starting later? I mean, my yeah, goodness. yeah, the, yeah. I think yeah, it's this is uh this is this definitely like a, a late week off. Yeah, and and I'm gonna be honest with you, I I do think you know if we're kind of just going uh you know not looking at numbers or anything, we've seen so many times hot teams, and then they have a bit of a layoff, and all of a sudden they go cold. And when it you know in the Phillies, I worry about that lineup a little bit. They were smacking the ball against the Phillies. And I'm not just saying, like, you know, looking at what, you know, the runs they were putting up. If you just watched the bat coming off, the, it felt like every fly ball they hit, you just thought, like, okay, is that a home run? Like, every the the bat speed, the the exit velocities were (laughs) – it just looked ridiculous. Like, every ball they hit was just hard. I tell you what, Hopkins and Real Muto, man, those guys. Oh my God, Schwarber, Harper, amazing, amazing moment. Um, But I just wonder, man, is that going to go a little cold? And this Astros team, they're just steady Eddie. You know, they're just they play their game. They know how to win. They're just playing well consistently. Um, To me, I'm not worried about them going cold. Yeah, uh, because they're just so good every day. You know, and it's like the Phillies, they kind of felt like they had momentum there. And uh, and the starting pitching for the Astros is just phenomenal. There's, I watched that bullpen. Everyone's yeah. talking about, you know, Verlander and Christian Javier and Fran Valdez against that Yankee series. The bullpen for the Astros was Ooh. so underrated in that series. Like, they're coming in. Brian Abreu came in against Giancarlo Stan, 99 miles an hour on the corner, and Stanton just watched it. You know, it was a 3-1 yeah. count. Two straight fastballs. He just watched him. He's like, you couldn't even do anything with him. And well, it's like, this Astros team is no joke. I, I just think yeah. they got to win this one. You know, they had well, a tough one last it, year. They're doing it without a lefty in the bullpen also. That's crazy. It's yeah. like all these righties. And it's like, it's, and one thing also about the Astros is you have Alvarado in the Phillies bullpen. He's a, he's a lefty. The Astros are so good against lefties. They were the second best team this year against lefties. And, uh, man, I don't know. I'm going Astros. I think the yeah. Astros, I, I think five or six games. I think six max. I think this Astros I team can't, is good. I can't say that the layoff is going to hurt because they both – I think the Astros played the next night, which was Monday. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so they're they're both going to have, you know, five or six days off to get that yeah. rotation set, get everyone a, a little breather. Their Astros are having a little home cooking at home, started off at home. Yeah, I mean, if if I were a betting man, I would definitely, you know, lean toward the Astros. I know a lot of people, you know, they talk about, okay, the favorites have not been very good this season. But, <laughs> yeah. but the Astros were the favorite as well, and they've been handling their business 7-0 and so far. Yeah, and that's another thing. You haven't even lost. Well, it's going to be a fun one. Um, yeah. By the time we're back next week, we should we could have a winner. But in the World Series by that point, we'll have, just have to wait and see where it's at next week. And <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about it next week. But uh, Ellis, man, it's a good episode here. We talked about some good free agents. Uh, it looks like we have a bit of an idea of what the Red Sox at least need to look towards sure. um, when it comes to free agency. Uh, Ellis, any last words before we get out of here, my friend? I'll tell you what. 
let's just look forward to having a great World Series. And, and as far as the Red Sox, I think it's going to be very interesting that they went down to the Dominican Republic to talk to Rafael, you know, wish him a happy birthday, brought him a nice cake and everything else, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Man, I wish but, my uh, job did that for me. That'd be nice. Yeah, no doubt. But you know what? I think this is uh, definitely going to be a great offseason for them, and it's going to be a lot of work in that front office, and I think they're going to be able to do it. There's a lot of great free agents that are available, and the Red Sox aren't too far off as far as what they have already. So with a couple of new additions, I think they can be exactly where they want to be next season. I agree. I think we're going to see typical Bloom work his magic. He's going to find some diamonds in the rough. He's going to sign some guys. He's going to be like, who the heck is that guy? And then uh, he's going to end up being someone like a Matt Strom in the bullpen from this past year. He'll find some guys. And uh, I'm sure there will be some frustration with some things, like there always is among the yeah. Sox fans. It always happens every single offseason. Bogarts, that's going to be big. I'm not. I'm going to say it one more time. I, I, I hope they get him signed. It's just giving me John Lester vibes. It's, I don't know. I hope it doesn't. I hope they look at what happened with that. Yeah. And they don't do it again. So there you go. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to have plenty to talk about this offseason. But like you said, let's enjoy this World Series. It's going to be a fun one. And, uh, but yeah. All righty, everyone. Thank you for coming out tonight for this episode. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever, thank you for tuning in and uh, tune in for next week's episode. Everyone, we're going to get out of here. Have yourself a great night. And we'll talk to you next time. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.